On this episode, I just bring it. Chuck, and this is episode 168 of the Ask Gary V show. It is very, not not very, but it is early on a Wednesday, Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Uh, feeling pretty good. Got a little busy yesterday, so sorry I couldn't jump in and do the show. Um, decided to bring the thank you economy next to me today because I was looking at some data. It's super interesting to me that the book that I would tell you is probably the most DNA foundational of why I've had success in my life is the book that has sold the least in my trilogy, soon to be a fourth business book. I find that fascinating and I've been like kind of like in a zen zone of like, huh, doesn't that actually answer everything? I don't know, I've got, I've got some interesting thoughts on that. I'm starting to uh, percolate in my brain about do people not want to execute on the hardest part of the equation that brings the most upside? I find it fascinating. Um, though maybe I punted the marketing of Thank You Economy a little bit because it was just as I was becoming CEO of VaynerMedia. Uh, so that might be part of the equation as well. But So that was fun. I, saw, I walked by that uh, this morning uh, as we set up here. Also, India's, uh, India's train is late. So we have a stand-in. Danielle, why don't you tell the Vayner Nation uh, who you are, what you do? I'm Danielle, and I'm the Associate Director of Finance here at VaynerMedia. Basically, I'm in charge of all the finance for all of Gary's offices around the country, under the CFO, of course. <laughs> also, a big Knicks fan. Yes. Which I'm I love about tonight. you. Are you going tonight? Yeah, me and my dad go. Good. All right, Danielle. So let's get into the show. You ready? Yeah. It's big shoes to fill. Yeah, I know. India has lots of practice. Yes. Bernadette asks, Hey Gary Vee, I want to relocate. Do I just pick up and move or do I throw caution to the wind or wait till I line something up? Bernadette, I think, um, you know, the, the truth is I need a little bit more context to answer that question. Can I see her picture? Maybe that can give me a little context. Oh no, it's some sort of interesting icon. Bernadette, I think it comes down to responsibilities, uh, where you are in your life, age group. You know, I really do think that if you're under 30, everything should be in play. You should, you should sleep in the subways of, you know, Singapore. Like, you should live on a rock. You should, you know, not eat for a year but not die. You know, like everything should be in play under 30 because there is no reason to disproportionately deploy practicality under 30 because of how long people are gonna live um, on, on how much that's an incredible time in your life and I would absolutely, if you're under 30, just pick up and go, especially if you're not prima donna. See, one of the great advantages of being an immigrant, as I think about the book that I may want to write one day, I wish everybody was an immigrant, one of the main chapters is lack of uh, entitlement or no prima donna gear, right? Like la- last night my mom and dad went out to dinner with me, uh, we were at an event and we walked through the rain with like no umbrella and we were just laughing. Like we just looked at each other as everybody else in this kind of New York City gala was like umbrellas and Ubers and don't t- and we're, we just kind of looked at each other and we're like, Belarus, you know, like it's just, there's nothing that's kind of sacred, everything's pretty ghetto. Uh, Meaning that um, if you're able to, uh, Bernadette, 
like sleep in a crappy hotel or at your friend's couch or if you're just not if you're just not in need of cozy things, well then of course you should pick up and go because you could work at McDonald's and live in a shithole and be happy if that's what's pulling at you. If you need certain things to function as a human, like a clean bathroom uh, or or you know coziness, uh, then then it becomes harder for you to pull it off. So I think that the graph is really cr- completely predicated on what you need to function. For me, I need nothing to function. Literally, it's so damn scary, and so everything's in play when it comes to that kind of extreme. Um, because I can go to zero. I I, I know what it. It's like to live on a small budget. I don't need fancy things. Uh, I can wear the same four pieces of clothes on rotation uh, for three years. Um, you know, so I, I just think it comes down to you and your ability to grind. And the truth is, and I've been speaking to a lot of people about this issue over the last year, most people like to say they can grind, but they don't. So that's on you. Lewis asks, how do you handle price projections when attempting to close a sale? I assume price objections mean that you're asking for too much money and they, and they don't, uh, they don't uh, wanna pay that? What's your take on that, Daniel? It's not an easy show. You don't just come and like, get to like, <laughs> read and like, check out. Are you out. sure? Yes, I'm very sure. Um, I guess I would say if you give them a dollar value and they kind of like how we do here when we give statements of work to clients before <laughs> they approve it, yeah. they come back with you know, requests to take down or yeah. get tired. Do they, ever, do they ever request to like, charge them more? Sometimes I ask for more things and then we do change orders and you do get more money that way. Love it. Uh, I, look, I think, I think it's moments in time. Early on when I was building Vayner and I needed the leverage of clients and logos to tell people like, yes, it's not just I did it for myself and my family business. I do it for, at the time, Campbell's, the NHL, Pepsi, that mattered. And so I was willing to uh, take less. We've talked about spec work at nausea, if you've watched the show, the DRock story. So I think it's a leverage game, right? Like who has the leverage? And so I think that, um, Every transaction has its own cadence. There is no blanket statement here. You have to understand what your product is worth, but you also have to think, and this is where people get, again, this is where romance kills people. You say that you're worth $150 an hour and you don't quantify that you need this client right now because there isn't good deal flow or you wanna buy some, you wanna buy a ring for your girl or you need more low, you need to do different things besides just shoot weddings because you wanna show a better portfolio to get other business. People are not using other variables and they go, well I'm worth a buck fifty, f- you. You're worth a buck fifty in your head. The market decides what you're worth. You're worth a buck fifty if people pay you a buck fifty. Consistently, always, always, and forever. You're not worth that. Look, there was two years ago where I prematurely tried to raise my speaking fee higher, and the market was like, "That's great, Gary, and you're the best speaker ever, and this and that." But that is just not where your price is at. And so, you're not entitled to anything other than what the people that are buying your stuff agree to. What you need to be smart about is understanding when's the right time to negotiate down because it's in your vested interest or when are you negotiating down for no reason at all and you're declining your value. That's on you, that's being a good salesperson, that's being a good operator. So I think everybody here needs to have a balance of both. You have to pull from opposite directions. When is it in your vested interest and then you deploy humility, you know, humility Kool-Aid at scale, right? 
the amount of times I will deploy humility in a world where my ego is on fire is off. You know what, Stefan? I want fire here. Ego fire. Give me ego fire. I've got nothing but ego and bravado, but there's plenty of times I deploy humility because that's what that moment's game needs to be successful. And so I would tell you to not deploy uh, romance. This is this and that. Deploy practicality of the moment. Nick Meeker wants to. Did you like that one? I did like that one. Yeah, I felt like I felt like you gave me a quick little look. The fire going. Wait till you see the way Stefan edits it. Are you gonna watch it? Of course. This is an interesting question. And don't lie. He does. My so if you and and AJ go to the Dallas game because I got my dad tickets for Christmas, I want him to meet up with you guys. He thinks that you're so awesome. Well, what's your dad's name? Tony. (laughs) Hey, Tony. Two things. One, thank you for thinking that I'm awesome. I think you're awesome because of number two. I adore your daughter. You instilled real work ethic in this one and that I respect. Thank you. You're welcome. Go ahead. Nick asks, it's lonely as an entrepreneur sometimes. How do you cope with that feeling? You know, for me, I'm built for it. I want to be lonely. I want to like struggle and grind and have all the pressure. I'm going to take the last shot. Uh, in the game always, every time. You know, it it makes me simpatico with, you know, Stefan's, you know, idol, Kobe, the black mamba who's on this amazing, like, it was funny, I was working out this morning and I I had to do like some cardio stuff that was hard for me, so I'm like, Mike, put on TV so I can watch SportsCenter and not think about what we're actually doing. And I caught the clip of like, the way Kobe last night in Philadelphia, and I was like, you know, and I said to Mike, I said, you know what's so awesome about sports is if you time it right and you know it, you can have this kind of farewell tour. So I've been thinking about my farewell entrepreneur tour. (laughs) I don't know how to do that. I'm gonna be like 89, 97, be like, hey. but I, you know, I, I think that, I don't even remember the question. I just wanted to talk about Kobe's farewell tell. What was this again? Um, oh, being lonely. Look, uh, the reason I brought up Kobe is Kobe wants to take the last shot. Winners want to take the last shot. You want to take the high with the low. When you are truly an A, an actual purebred entrepreneur, you don't know anything else than getting the accolades or getting shit on when you don't execute. Actually, for the first, you know, it's really interesting. I had a hundredth of a second, because I'm concerned about macroeconomic climates. For a hundredth of a second yesterday, which is unheard of for me, I was like, ooh, what if like Vayner took a step back and I had to deal with like people being like, oh, you're not running this business well, or what's going on? Like, it was so funny. I thought of it for a hundredth of a second, and then I got so happy. I got so happy because I quickly thought about the second chess move, which was, for whatever reason, if a, you know, a couple of our clients, as you know, are starting to become very big clients, and I don't like them being too much a percentage of my business because they can go away the next day. I don't like that, so that maybe is why it popped up in my mind. Or I also think we're in a bubbly kind of world. You've got terrorism activity. You've got Wall Street being too bubbly for a long period of time. Anything can happen. Things can happen. And so it was funny for me when I thought about it because that's my job. I'm lonely at the top. I have to worry about everything and make sure I'm hedged and ready and mentally prepared for anything that could go wrong. And then I got excited about the second chess move, which was the thing I live for, which was the I told you so when the doubters came in and said, oh, why did you, you misplayed it. You didn't think, social wasn't as big as you thought. You didn't see this coming. Then being able to navigate through those choppy waters. I often talk about being a wartime general over a peacetime general. Anybody can look good. Anybody who's watching or listening to this show can be an entrepreneur right now because shit is good. When it gets tough, when there's not people throwing around $25,000 investment, when, when you can't put up your idea on Kickstarter and everybody wants to give you 100 bucks because the economy's crap and they need their 100 bucks, that's when the cream rises. And so for me, the way I deal with it, I, the way I deal with it is, there is no dealing with it. It is my DNA. It is my only known gear. I don't even understand that damn question. Now, 
I recognize it to take myself out of the equation and try to answer for the whole. Look, you gotta put things in perspective. You know, if you want the accolades, if you have the audacity to want to be somebody that is successful, make, do you, if you want the, let's play the data. If you want the audacity to be a millionaire, which is by percentage, almost impossible. There's very few of them. If you really break down, like, let's play some math here. Let's keep it, let's keep it unemotional. Let's keep it, if you want the audacity to be in the top, in the top 1% of Americans who are, is a, which is a very rich company, company, country, probably company too, country, are people in the hundreds of thousands of dollars a year in revenue. Not millions. So we're talking about a very small group of people that are able to get to this extreme level of success in business. And we can have shows about, you know, actually, you know what? I was gonna point at India. Danielle, tell India when you do a show about like life and not business stuff, but like in the context of business, like life happiness, like there's a million ways and we ranted on it the other day. But if you want the audacity to be a millionaire, to be successful, to write books, if you want the audacity, don't you understand the crap that comes along with that? Like I wanted the audacity to be in shape. It's come with a lot of crap. It's been a lot of work. I'm 18 months in and I'm like, I, I said this the other day, I'm not, on my fitness video, I'm not sure I would do this if I saw what I would look like 18 months later. Meaning I'd look a lot better, but damn it, I would've been like, really? For every single day for 18 months to wake up at four in the morning? You know, like I was like, oh, you know. So <laughs> you deal with it because it's a very small price to pay for all the phenomenal stuff that you headline read and you aspire to and you dream for. The problem is most of you don't want to eat that shit to get there. Austin asks, hey Gary Vee, I'm a sales consultant for Best Buy Selling Computers. What advice can you give me to be a better salesman? Austin, I think you need to reverse engineer who you're selling to. So if I were you, Austin, I would spend all of January taking people out to lunch and dinner or a drink or getting them on the phone but literally spending the entire month of January not selling to people and just listening to the people that you sell to to figure out what their pain points are. I would walk in and be like, hey DRock, you know I sell you computer stuff and things of that nature. What are your pain points? What's your problem? What's your struggles in your business? Like, let's, let's cut the crap. Like, yes, I wanna sell to you but let's take a step back. I want to sell to you by providing you some sort of value. Maybe I have a friend. Maybe I will recommend that you watch the Ask Gary V show to make your business better. Maybe I'll do a lot of things, but what I'm doing is I'm providing you value and our conversation and our relationship is not just predicated on, on me selling. You know, it's kind of like uh, I was talking to one of my friends. He's like, I want to have better relationships with girls. I'm like, cool, why don't you make it something about other than sex? Like if your whole relationship is like, I want to hang out with you every time to just hook up, there's probably a good chance that person doesn't think that you're providing them much value outside of that execution, which is a fine execution, everybody needs it, I get it, blah, blah, blah. Same way I think about sales. If you're just selling every single time, that is what your foundational relationship is based on. And you become spam and sales all the time. Why don't you spend all of January not selling ever once and opening your ears and listening and trying to help even outside of the context of you? even out of the, outside the context of you. Meaning, how can you help them besides just their business? Maybe you'll get to know D-Rock and find out that his aunt is a huge Dallas Cowboys fan and you just get a Dallas Cowboys hat. Say, hey, you go to eBay and buy a, you know, a Tony Dorsett opened starting lineup for 49 cents, $3 shipping, but you send and say, hey, give this to your aunt. It's not what you spent, it was the thought. That stuff matters. That's it? Yeah. Great. Good show, thanks D. Um, question of the day. 
When's the last time you deployed a long period of time of providing value to somebody else? And then tell the story in the comments, Facebook, YouTube, on what it meant to your world. Maybe it was friendship, maybe it didn't lead to business. Uh, but you know, just like my latest post on Instagram, when you give, you have to also equally deploy zero expectations in return ever. 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 Like you have to do it and you have to basically say, I will get nothing for that. Yes, karma and good stuff will happen, but you can't do it on an individual basis. I can't think that all the value I want to provide Stefan means that Stefan's gonna pay me back one day. It might be the story that Stefan gave to Rick that Rick told Sally that led to something. That's how real life works. Stop making shit so transactional. You keep asking questions, I'll keep answering them. Stefan, were they saying that the show was really tight and strong? They were and they like India, but they think she's hot. <laughs> See, good stuff. Yeah. Last time you had me on the show in my handle, I got like 500 new Instagram followers off of it. When you said that I take selfies on that video that you shouted me out. Really? Yeah. Got a bunch of creeper dudes? Um, I don't know because I didn't follow them back. Right. I didn't get any creepy comments, but I did nice. get a bunch of new followers. Good. You like that? That was fun for the vanity? Yeah, you know. Yeah, nice do, to get oh, I, I do know. I asked you for a double tap in real life. You did not post a picture I know, last night. I know. I don't. I don't. I don't like talking about my uh, my suit pics so much. Though some of the Vayner employees put up some of the pictures. You looked really good in pictures with Jeff and I think Hannah Park was. In yeah. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for your help. Hey guys. Um, what's my Twitter? Or they're probably asking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably yeah. No, I don't think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Thanks guys, thank you so much for watching the show. Thank you so much for jumping on the scope this early in the morning. Um, Gary, you're getting chirped. <laughs> uh, Charles, it's okay, India. Sucks. What's that? The L train is the worst. It's okay. It's the worst. It's all right. Danielle jumped in. Yeah? And she did a nice job. Nice. What's Yutkin? What up? What's the law saying today? Nothing interesting. The law, it's boring. <laughs> Head counsel. Um, <laughs> cool. Did you get all this? I want this in the black and white at the end of the show. See ya. See ya.